Welcome to Real Estate Rewind, the podcast that takes you back to where it all started. Nick Baldwin talks to top producers from all levels and brokerages in real estate about how they built the businesses they have now and achieved success through failure. Now, here's your host, Nick Baldwin. Hey everyone, it's Nick Baldwin. Welcome back to another episode of Real Estate Rewind, where I sit down with top producers all over the country and we talk about failures and obstacles they have been through in their lives and only came out on top. Today, I'm talking to one of my favorite realtors and coaches, Barino. He's often called the Tony Robbins of real estate. He's a well-known real estate coach, speaker, and author, also known as the FISBO and expired guru. Barino teaches the advisor frame positioning, a fancy term for getting prospects to like you, trust you, and respect you, but without the typical high-pressure sales tactics or sleazy manipulation. Barino's the founder of Real Estate Rockstars, is one of the largest real estate Facebook groups with almost 40,000 agents, and every day they come for inspiration, answers, tips, and advice. He has one mission, to show agents just like you how to make real estate a profitable and fun business. Barino, thank you so much, man. I'm so glad you're here. It's always oh, great to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Watch this. Check this out. Oh, dude, it's sound effects. I love it. I got my own audience. It's a little red box. I need I to up my budget and get some of those crazy sound effects. Hey, man, I had you on the show because you have an amazing story and you came out on top and you are the complete opposite of victim. And that's one of the reasons why I have this podcast because I want to talk to people like you who have been through hardship and have just persevered. So thanks for being here. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate the chance to talk to you and your audience. That's growing like crazy. This is yeah. podcast on fire. I'm excited, man. I'm excited. <laughs> it's going to blow up right after this one. I know it. I'm sure. So let's uh, let's talk about way back when, because people who are listening, they're probably they're probably sensing an accent. In yes, your that's it, they it, call me the Sean Connery if I'm not referred to as Tony Robbins. So. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, you look exactly like you look exactly like Sean Connery. Um, sure. <laughs> so probably hear an accent, right? So, where are you from? Tell us about tell us about that, and where are you from, and, and tell us about yourself. I was born and raised in Czechoslovakia. Back then, that was a communist country. One country now they separated, of course. And uh, my background: I was born in a family of actors, artists. Both my parents were actors, working actors, television, movies. My mom still performs. She still sings. She's still with us. Doing her thing. She has a big show actually coming up on Sunday, and I'm going to go fly and visit her for a few days just to check up on her. So there was never a question in my family what I was going to do when I grew up. You know, I did my first, uh, my first commercial thing was I did a photo shoot for diapers when I was four months old. So that's how way back my talents go. I'm never going to get that. It's still I'm an copy of that print. So. Yeah, I'm never going to unsee that, Barino. Oh, you know, I, I don't know. Some people maybe. <laughs> so I started doing that. I started doing movies. I won my first major award for a movie when I was eight years old. Uh, did it for quite a few years. But then, I know hard to believe a quiet introvert like me got in trouble. I got in trouble with the government. I was in art school in college studying acting and film production. And because I opened my big mouth once too many times, the government blacklisted me. They kicked me out of the college uh, after my third year. I couldn't shoot. I couldn't work. So I just got fed up with the whole thing. And because I had met some people from Los Angeles from a theater group called Mark Taper Forum, they invited me to LA and I accepted the invitation. 
and I defected. I escaped the communism, went through London, ended up in LA thinking, hey, if Arnold could make it, I could make it too, yeah? <laughs> well, I missed the guns. I didn't have the muscles like Arnold, you know? So that quickly evaporated the dream. And it was also because the industry in the US is very different. The film industry operates in a very different way. Besides, after doing it for over 20 years, I just kind of felt burned out like I was done with it and I wanted to do something different. But there lies the problem. I didn't know how to uh, paint a house or repair a car or do anything. I had no skills. So uh, because I didn't know anybody, it wasn't like a family or friends to, to rely upon. The taper guys were very friendly and very helpful, but there was only so much they could do. So as most immigrants, because I, my English was non-existent, I, I sounded like, you remember the movie Borat? Remember? With Sarah I Mar do, yes. That was me. Yaksemash is good. Hello. You know, or um, those of you who do remember Go Way Back, Wild and Crazy Guys, remember Saturday Night Live? Yes. Yeah. My brother, Yorgi. Yeah, that was me. Oh, wow. That was me. So um, the, the, the options were limited. So one of the first jobs I had was I was cleaning backyards of uh, properties that were foreclosed because this was late 80s where foreclosures exploded in LA, in California, pretty much everywhere. I do just manual labor for 100 bucks cash for days of work. And uh, it was a struggle, but it was an exciting struggle. I mean, think about it. When I was in my 20s, single, you can live 100 bucks a day, no big deal. So it wasn't like I wasn't too worried about my future. And pretty soon I came out, there was a, a local, like a paper, a free paper called Penny Saver, and there was an ad there, free real estate school. I'm like, shit, that's pretty cool. Wait a minute, free? Yeah, free real estate. They will license you for free. Because now, yeah, now you can get a group on. I thought that was bad enough. <laughs> oh, no, that, this was free. The, the, the real estate office would sponsor you and pay for your tuition. Oh. All you pay is the fee to take the license, Got the it. test. Okay. So I'm like, dude, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. 6% a deal, driving the Mercedes, wearing Armani and Rolex. I'll take that. How hard can that be? And maybe some of you guys were cutely naive like I was. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. But with the zero skill and really zero education, the options were limited, so I jumped on it. And I saw other agents. I, I kind of started exploring, and I saw some people doing really well, local magazines and newspapers, the ads. I saw Tom Wu on television, come to my seminar, you know, on the boat with girls and all. <laughs> so that all really appealed to me. But because my limited skills and really more than anything, my mindset, I got my license, I was all excited. And then the training began, and here's the training I received in my real estate office. Welcome, this is your desk, this is your phone, good luck. <laughs> and that was it, that really was it. There was no like long training or anything, just don't do anything stupid, don't get a suit, don't get in trouble. You can relate, right? Most, most training was like that. Yeah, I mean, I think there's still a lot of training. In many cases it is, yeah. yeah. And it kind of makes sense because if you put yourself in a broker's position, either you succeed and you leave, or you fail and you leave. Right. So back then, put a lot of money into education and training was just not a good business decision from their perspective. Right. So uh, what followed was, was uh, months and months of struggle and hard work and more struggle. And I was renting a little, there was a little room. It wasn't even a house, just a part of the house room in Downey, California. That's a little suburb in Los Angeles. It was right by the freeway. And you could hear the trucks and the buses and the cars go by. And we would share a bathroom with another tenant. But I had no money. I was completely broke. I had a couple of deals. One of them fell through. The other one, they backed out. It just was a disaster. 
And they kicked me out. I was two months behind and the lady said, well, sorry, bud, you're out. And back then I had a Cadillac DeVille. It was mm. a giant, one of those 70 foot long monster cars <laughs> that yeah. was like three miles to a gallon. And it was all beat up, you know, the, the passenger side window would not roll up half the time and it was just monster. And everything I owned fit in the trunk. That was the cool thing about the car, including my clothes and dishes and everything I owned. <laughs> that was, I don't mean to laugh, but yeah, that, so it doubled as your apartment. Oh, it totally, it totally was nice accommodations if you really think about it. First mobile home I ever owned. Well, it's technically the size of one. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So I parked it because my office back then where I used to work was in Pico River, California. There was a liquor store on Rosemead Boulevard. It may still be there. I haven't visited in a while. And the reason I liked it is because there were lights shining behind it. So I, I felt kind of safe. I, I had tried to sleep. We had a big office. I worked for a large Century 21 office at the time. It was like a big cubicle farm and there was a string of private offices. But the problem was they installed uh, motion detectors and alarm systems. And which I didn't know is that would go on at night automatically, would turn itself on and, at 10 p.m. And so I tried to sleep under my desk. I created like a little, little enclave there, mm -hmm. but I would trip the alarm unintentionally and almost getting arrested was not much fun. So wow. although I pretended I'm working late, I'm pushing, you know, burning the midnight oil. Right, so, all those deals. Yeah, exactly. And so that didn't work. So I slept in a car. Then fortunately, that didn't last too long. A friend of mine, another agent, took pity on me and they had a little spare room. So he put me up there for a while. But, uh, you know, a lot of these coaches and a lot of you guys I admire who jump in a business and see success very early on, very quickly. And I, I have utmost respect and admiration for that because it's not an easy thing to pull off. I went the exact opposite. I was literally days from making a decision either get a day job, get a regular job, which everybody else was suggesting at the time, you know, just right. get a regular job. Or uh, even go back to Czechoslovakia. I, I had to go, like, one of the things, you know, you start to smell after a few days. <laughs> so, yeah, right. <laughs> I would so it's going to like, be hard to get clients if you smell. That was hard, yeah, especially when you're in the car with them for a while. Right. So I did a couple of things. There was a local YMCA where I would go once in a while. And also because we had so many foreclosures and vacant listings, I would just sneak into one of those that still had water and power on and I would just shower there. Almost got busted once. Wow. By another agent who was showing it. So, Oh, they and were showing one, it and you were showering. I was there, yeah. I tried to pick hours where I thought mm, not likely somebody maybe, would show up. Maybe in the middle of the night would be your best bet. Yeah, it, you would think, but I didn't think it through that well. <laughs> So that was one, and there was another house where I had later found out that there was a crazy homeless guy living in the garage. Same property. So yeah, it was kind of an interesting time. And uh, I lived on 49 cent burritos, bean and cheese burritos at Taco Bell that was right across the street from our office, mm -hmm. where I was well known. <laughs> so, I, and I'm not telling the story to kind of get pity or compassion no, or any of that. I'm just... The reason I like to share that story is because I know a thing or two about struggle. And you've had some amazing people here on the podcast, Nick. Yeah. Who, if I tell my story, they'd be like, come on, dude. Really? This is the worst? For me at the time, that was the worst. Remember, I come from, you know, acting family where I was the only one in my high school who had his own car. That was very unusual and very opulent to mm -hmm. own your own car. For example, as, as an example. So... It was a struggle, but there was something interesting about that whole experience. 
even during the darkest times, and there were some moments where even I felt like, shit, this is not really good. This is not what I had in mind at all. There was always something within me. There was always a part of me that always thought, it's going to be all right. One way or another, I'm going to figure this out. There were other events in my life and other circumstances, maybe not as dire or not as dramatic. I figured it out and I made it through. I will make it through. And what I kept in mind was there were other people who went through tough times, who didn't make it at first, who figured it out. There's got to be a way. There's got to be a way. There's got to be a way. And that became kind of my mantra. Rather than feeling sorry and why it's not working and coming up with all these, and there were all valid reasons. I mean, don't get me wrong, selling real estate when you have 13, 14% interest rates where half of your market are foreclosures and REOs, and you go to a regular seller and you present the CMA and they start bawling on you, literally crying because half of their life savings went up. So I'm not saying it was easy, but it was possible. And there was a pivotal moment. It was a Saturday morning. It was kind of a cold gloomy California morning where it was an overcast and I was in the car and if if you ever slept in a car it's not very comfortable it's not very very it's cold and I woke up and I was all kind of sore everything was hurting and I'm, I'm looking over and there's like a bush about I don't know 20 30 feet away from me and there was a homeless guy Pete taking a piss and I'm looking at him you know scruffy typical stereotypical look of, of, of a homeless dude who's not doing well with the shopping, shopping cart and all mm-hmm. that. And I was looking at that guy, I said, well, you know, things could be worse. I could be that guy. And then it kind of hit me. I'm like, fuck, I'm that guy. I am that guy right <laughs> the now. The only difference is I own a $400, $500, whatever, $100 car. He yeah. owns a push cart. But I'm not that far from him, figuratively and literally. And it was that moment where I said, I've got to change this. If I got myself into this mess, I got to get out of this mess. And rather than depending, blaming everything or everybody or outside, let's look inside. What's really going on? And it really was that moment. That was kind of that pillar moment where they say, the student is ready, the teacher appears. And my teacher was Tony Robbins. And the program was the personal power. First version that still came on cassettes. And I got hold of it, and literally within days, I just got it. It became very clear and obvious to me that it is not the market, it is not me working hard, because I was working hard, don't get me wrong, I wasn't lazy sitting on my ass. That's all I had was time, so I was out there hustling, door knocking, doing the right things. So the reason it was not working had almost everything to do with my mindset, more than anything else. The communication was shitty, yes, my language was not that great. Not that it's perfect now, but you know, back then it really was bad and funny. So it was hard to build trust if you don't understand what square feet means. Right. The metric from Europe, I had no idea. So I had a cheat, by the way. On the back of my business card, I would write down 1,500 plus good, 1,500 minus bad. <laughs> so when I would talk to somebody, I would say, well, our house is 900 square feet. I would go, ooh, I had no concept. Like I had no visual representation of what that meant. But, you know, I had a shortcut. <laughs> so <laughs> I would uh, work on a couple of things, mindset and language. Those were my two main areas where I said, I got to fix this. One, because I didn't want to pretend to be American or hide the fact that I was an immigrant. That was not the intention, but I wanted to be understood 
and I wanted to understand the nuances of the language. And I understood that real estate was a people business and I had to really focus on that aspect and get it down. So I started working on it, just simple stuff. I would read the newspaper out loud. I would watch a lot of television. I would ask friends, hey, if I say something really dumb, stop me. There was a lot of stopping at that time. <laughs> a lot of, hold on, hold on. You don't say it like that. Most of them, they'd be laughing their ass off. And I would have notepads and notepads of words I didn't know where I would write down the definition and just rehearse, work on it. Until I came to a point where it just kind of became serviceable, where people would understand me. I would understand them. I would understand nuances, which to a foreigner are, are really strange. Like if somebody tells you it's okay, it's different from it's good. True. To a foreigner, that sounds about the same. I didn't feel the difference, but there is. If somebody tells you, ah, it's okay, they mean something very different yeah. as opposed to, oh, that's good. Kind of like, uh, like when my wife says, all right, fine. Exactly. And I'm like, okay, you're mad. <laughs> yeah. exactly. That's exactly what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to learn these nuances. I had to really pick up on it. And especially, you guys can relate to it, in real estate when there are emotions are high. People get very emotional, both positive and negative. When people get emotional, you really need to pick up what's going on. You really need to understand what they mean, how to communicate, and more importantly, how to control these conversations, not by manipulating, but by relating, connecting. So I made that one of my missions is to really get this down. And I started studying first language, then psychology, neuro-linguistic programming, hypnosis, all this stuff that I now incorporate into what I teach and what I work with. When, when I teach agents how to become good communicators, good presenters and all that. So that was the first area. And the second area was Tony Robbins and then later, of course, similar programs and books and seminars that helped me understand that it's the beliefs that I was carrying around that were steering me towards the experiences that I had programmed in my subconscious mind. At first, it sounded so airy-fairy, so new age, California bullshit, this whole <laughs> visualize and feelings yeah. and... And, and believes and I, you know I'm like bullshit you just go out there you do honest work and you're gonna get paid I went out there did honest work and was broke <laughs> and there's no money coming right so I'm like something is wrong with this equation there's got to be something else to it and reluctantly I started studying this and discovered that it's like an operating system on your phone or on your computer I was carrying around a bunch of beliefs the core one was money's hard to come by and this had come from my sweet mother she is the most phenomenal, amazing mother in the world, my role model and inspiration. However, she grew up during World War II, where money was hard to come by, where it was tough. So she grew up in circumstances and conditions that justified that kind of belief. And to help and protect her children, she installed this belief in us to help us get through tough times, to watch for opportunities to make money. She meant well, but the belief was very much limiting me. Every time there was an opportunity to get a good listing or sell a property, make money, I would figure out to sabotage it. I would figure out a way not to get paid so that money would be hard to come by. And I had to admit that that really was the core problem, was a set of beliefs, because those governed my focus, those governed my expectations, my mindset, and consequently the experiences I was having. Where Somebody else who would do the same thing, say the same thing, go through the same stuff, would do a lot better, simply because of different mindset, different beliefs that would result in different, different life. So that was a big breakthrough for me. And through different tools, and I started doing silly stuff like affirmations, 
writing my goals down, vision board. Uh, I would go to a really fancy restaurant and just order one little drink just to kind of experience the lifestyle I wanted. I would drive and go preview properties that are way out of my price range that I would never even be able to afford just to kind of feel it, what it's like. I would go into a Mercedes dealership and I say, you know, next month I'm thinking about picking up a Mercedes, what you got? And I would go for a test drive just to kind of soak it in yeah. a different lifestyle. That's a great, I mean, that's a great, it's a great piece of advice. You know, not yeah. just, not just saying, I will have a Mercedes, you yeah. know, going and actually feeling the leather and driving around and the smell and getting close to it and getting motivated. I love that approach. No, no. So I started doing these things. Listen to a bunch of stuff. Went to see Tony. He, he did like a speaking engagement, two hours of him, and it was mesmerizing. His energy, his presence, everything he was saying suddenly was clicking and made perfect sense. And then it started snowballing. I guess back, back then we had a broker named Richard who saw what I was going through and kind of took me under his wing, uh, sent me to his tailor and got me a first suit, really nice Italian suit. And bought me as a present because I did manage to get one listing. This beautiful <laughs> briefcase. It was like a James Bond silver briefcase that I loved. So I suddenly started getting these tokens of good lifestyle of, of, of the life I wanted. And he sent me to a real estate three-day workshop seminar in Palm Springs. And the workshop was good. There were a lot of good ideas. I came back with tons of ideas. But what was the pivotal event? Just like with Tony Robbins and others was I met a guy named Art. Art Scott was a Remax agent up in San Jose, San Francisco area. And he was making a lot of money doing expired listings. And his approach was very simple. He would just call everybody all the time. That was it, like a tank, <laughs> nonstop, just like plow through them. But he was making like quarter of a million dollars mm -hmm. doing this. I'm like, shit, that's pretty good. So I'm back because he had told me, he said, Instead of just doing neighborhood, focus on people who are already doing something. Somebody who's raising their hand, somebody already signed with an agent, somebody already had a sign in the front yard. You have a much better chance converting those than just some stranger on the street because you have to find them first, you have to identify them, follow up with them, build trust, build relationships. Some of these people, they need to move now. And that made sense to me. So that's how I stumbled. I had no idea up to that point that you can work expired listings and how it works. Hey, where did you get, you know, because I just want to ask real quick. I mean, were there a lot of people, well, there are two questions. Were there a lot of people doing that back then? Or, or was he kind of like a pioneer in that sense? Because you're talking about the 80s, right? Yeah, this is late 80s, early 90s. Uh, there were other agents doing expireds, but not well. There was right. no system back there. There was no like systematic approach. It was just kind of a shotgun approach, call them and see what happens. And most of the agents, and that happens today too, which is kind of interesting, that hasn't changed much, gave up too soon. One of the things I learned, and I learned the hard way, I lost a lot of listings until I figured this out, it takes persistence. It can be a quick listing, but even quick listing means it requires multiple attempts, some work, and some persistence. Well, yeah, because I mean, you're looking, you're talking about expireds and they, you know, went through six months or nine months of yeah. nothing but stress and people traipsing through their house and no offers and no communication from their agent. And they probably want to just take a break, right? Yes. So then you have to nurture them for another you know, three or four months until they're ready to list again. Exactly. You need to focus on two things. And this is the psychological part of what I understood and figured out based on my research and studies of all that stuff. They need to feel the sense of hope and possibility. 
so that the move itself is a possibility to them. Mm -hmm. It has enough excitement and emotion to either something pushing them out of the house, a problem that they're trying to solve, or something pulling them towards a house where they want to live. So that's the first part. And then the second part is trust. You need to have enough trust so they, A, want to move, and B, want to do business with you. Once you have these two in place, motivation, desire, plus you, that's the winning formula. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And through so, trial and error, I figure out how to do both. Yeah. Well, I want to get into that a little bit later because I sure. want to talk a little bit more about strategy. But, um, okay, so you started doing Inspired Listings. And, I mean, what did you – what was your script? You know, did you just copy this guy or did you just kind of come up with – figure out what, what worked and what didn't work? Because I suck at selling. I am not one of those guys who can sell stuff. Before real estate, I had two other sales jobs, so total three, all massive failures. I had a telemarketing job for like a company who would get hired by usually charity organizations to collect money. Mm -hmm. I lasted 48 hours because I didn't get a penny fired. <laughs> People that donate money to like dying children or something. Nothing. I cannot get a dime out of somebody saying, we have 10 children here dying terrible death. Please give you me must a dime. donate 10 nope. cents a day. Nope. No, I nope. can't. I'm sorry. But, well, I would say, please give mommy. And they would say, no. <laughs> uh, I'm so thinking that was why. Days, they're like, this is not working out. <laughs> this is not working out. But it was an interesting experience. I'll tell you why. It was kind of an interesting building. There were no windows. It was like, almost like a bunker. And there was a guy there who was an ex-military guy. And we called him Cash. His name was Cash because he could get cash out of anybody. And Cash had this old beat-up headset, kind of everything about him was kind of scroungy and beat-up and rough. <laughs> and he was like a bulldozer, man. He could just go and go and go. And he was making decent money doing this, just sitting on his butt, drinking coffee, smoking cigarettes, and calling. <laughs> but after two days, I was looking at this guy who was at it for I don't know how many years. I'm like, I don't want to be that. No. I don't want to be that, whether in real estate or telemarketing or anywhere, I don't want to be that guy. You know what I mean? So that was, that was an interesting experience. The second one was I was selling batteries for Radio Shack, Glendale Galleria. Oh, I know the Glendale Galleria. I used to yeah, live yeah. in Burbank. I don't, yeah, exactly. I don't know if the Radio Shack is still there, but... I'm guessing was, not. Probably not. And I failed there miserably too, got fired because I wasn't pushing enough batteries. So my selling skills are non-existent. And when I, when I did this, you know, I didn't want to do the arts card approach or anybody else's approach where it's like very straightforward, very direct. For some people that works really well, and I respect that, nothing wrong with that. This is not a criticism. I just couldn't make it work. People could tell that I was pushing a script and I was trying to manipulate and I was trying to close them and do all that stuff. And that just didn't feel right for me either. So I figured, is there another way? Is there a way where you can connect with somebody like a human being? Rather than, you know, the typical salesperson, oh, how are you doing today? You want to buy a car? You know, <laughs> so I figured there's got to be a way. And, you know, again, through trial and error, as most of my stuff that, that I later created the systems around was based on just trying this, didn't work, try that, didn't work. Oh, something like this worked. So I developed this way of having a conversation rather than doing a pitch, doing a script, where you still follow a certain outline, but the principles that you embed there are authority connection, compassion, and trust. Where you generally, you, you look at it from a seller's perspective, like we talked about earlier. What do they feel? Why do they feel that way? They have the right to be frustrated and disappointed and angry. Wouldn't you be? I would be pissed. If I hired somebody to get the job done, they didn't get the job, and most of the time they just disappear. There's no feedback. There's no 
communication? Of mm-hmm. course, I would feel the same way. The disappointment and the confusion is natural. So you start with that, and then I build on that. So my approach was very conversational, embedding some of the psychology like pattern interrupts, guidance, future pacing, all that stuff was part of it. Nothing too fancy or too elaborate, but conversation. And I discovered that most people are pretty nice. If they wanted to move, if they really mattered to them, there was a way to discover that and, and connect with them. And I started building on that. And that was kind of the foundation, what later became the XPark Plus and all the other systems I teach. But underneath it all is just connection, communication, confidence, empathy. That's really the whole secret. What I think is pretty amazing is, first of all, you came here, you didn't really, you didn't speak any English at all. Mm-hmm. Then when you were learning, you had to figure out how to make sense of the English language and how to make sense of different phrases and fluctuations and so on and so forth to get your point across. But yet you have developed this system that is about building trust, getting the right message out there, unselling in a sense. So from someone who had no understanding of the English language to mastering how to communicate, I mean, I think it's, I think it's kind of mind-blowing, right? And, and so many agents, they make the big mistake of going into a listing consultation and talking about themselves. And believe it or not, most consumers don't give a crap about how many homes you've sold. They don't care if you're number one. They don't care what your volume is. They just want to know, can you sell my house? Yes, great. How are you going to do it? That's it. And so when I would go into listing appointments, because now I don't, I don't sell anymore, I run, a, I run an office, but when I would go in, I wouldn't even talk about, I wouldn't even bring up my production. I wouldn't even bring it up. I mean, if they asked, I would tell them, but my listing consultation said nothing about how many houses I sold. It was all about what I can do for them to get the job done. Yeah. And nine times out of 10, I would, get list, I would get the listing. Because at the end, whether you sold 10, 20, 30, 40, how do they determine who is a better choice? Is Joe who sold 30 a better choice than Susie who sold 50? Maybe, maybe not. Those numbers are really not that important. It just shows that they've done some production in the past. Can they be trusted? Do they really care? Will they be honest? Those are the real questions they have. And the bottom line is, are you their best choice? That's what it's going to come down to. Can we trust you? Are you our best choice? Are you competent to get this done? Yeah, and another thing that agents need to do, and I don't think they do enough of it, is, I mean, you're interviewing, you're interviewing for a job, mm-hmm. and I would always give references. I'll give them like, you know, five or six people in the last year that I, you know, sold the house for, and I would say, just give them a call. You know what I mean? Yep. And then it would get real, you know, social proof that I knew what I was doing. Oh, but yeah. That's huge. Yeah. yeah, people don't care about that you're top producer. They don't give a crap. They don't even know what that means. Right. So all it means is that you make a crap load of money and they already don't like the idea that you make a crap load of money. <laughs> yeah. Well, they assigned me an agent in my office when I started and he had on a business card, million dollar producer. I'm like, shit, dude, this making a million bucks. <laughs> and he's driving this kind of shitty car. Yeah. That was kind of surprising to me. 
until I figured out that it's- He sold a million dollars in real estate. I was talking about that with someone the other day, like circle circle of excellence is like, you know, or like the million dollar club. I mean, that was like a big deal, right? You only have to sell 5 million in real estate to be like in the top 1% in the country. I mean, the bar is not very high. Yeah. Okay, great. So you master it expires and that was your niche. So yes, that's going to be my niche. So uh, yeah. working on the mindset, I continuously work. I'm going to really work on it to this day. But uh, the work is kind of not even the right word because it's kind of fun to figure out like you're coding your own mind, which is really cool. So I started doing expireds and with trial and error, started getting listings. It's, it started to kick in. So I'm like, all right, let's figure out if I can come together, like put together like an expired package. I started focusing on marketing. So I started studying people like Jay Abraham, uh, Walter Sanford, guys who were like, who was... Uh, he just passed away. Jesus, his name just escaped me. Great guy in marketing and copywriting. It'll, it'll come to me. I think I know who you're talking about and I'm forgetting too. He just passed away like two or three days ago. Yeah. I have almost every single book he wrote. I could probably go through my books. I could find right away. Anyway, so I started studying that and incorporating these elements into like I put together a little brochure for expireds. I wrote letters to expired listings, postcards. I started doing that. And in about 10 months, things turned around. Took me a little less than a year, 10 months. I got my first condo. I, I bought a condo in Whittier, California. I got a first Mercedes. Nice. And I went on a first vacation to Venice, Italy. So oh. those were the three first, like, yay, things look are looking up. And after that, you know, I started building it. I, I hired my assistant, I had a buyer's agent, and I started really building it as a system. I incorporated expireds, new expireds, old expireds for sold by owners, started building referral system and little by little grew the business to a point where I was on the crossroads. And the crossroads were either get multiple agents, build a team, really expand, maybe even open my own office. But I started, agents would come to me, including my mother-in-law back then who was first my assistant that became a very successful agent. How did you do that? Teach me. So I would write a few notes. She would go out, use it, got good results. She was really happy. She says, you should write a book. This is really good stuff. So I said, all right, I'll write a little book. Why not? So I wrote the first Expired Plus book. Just basic. Here are the things I said. Here are the things I did. Here are the checklist. Here's the process. Go try it. See what happens. People seem to really enjoy it because it was kind of easy to implement. I so like when, simple. So when did you write? So for people listening, so Barino has a... A, a, a coaching platform called expired plus yeah. expired plus.com. Yes. Right. Yeah. And so when did you write the first expired? What were you, what year was that? The first, expired? this was late nineties, early 2000. Okay. And did you actually publish it? Like legitimately published? self-published? I just got it printed. And would you hand it out to agents? I would hand it out to agents. For because free? It was so time consuming for me to just teach them and do mm -hmm. all that. I'm like, you know what? Just here, use this. Go. Okay. That's great. You know, and I, I got invited to a couple of offices where I would do a little talk and walk them through it, you know, and it snowballed from there. The yeah. demand and the interest was there because up till that point, there were other people kind of teaching it, but nobody had really a system where I had, here's the marketing, here are the scripts, here are the checklists, here's the process, here's the psychology, it kind of was everything in there. But I wanted to keep it simple because my mind always liked simple. If it's too, you know, if it's like, 27 moving parts, 160 steps, and six months to implement, I would never do that. So I liked it simple. Like the Expired Plus only has three moving parts. It's a very simple process. Not easy. Just like anything else in this business, it's not easy, but it's doable. It's implementable. I mean, I coached the boot camp where we built the whole system from start to finish in five weeks. 
what I love about it, because I've gone through it and I have a lot yeah. of friends in the business that have gone through it, is like it's a live webinar series, right? Mm-hmm. If you're jumping in on the actual boot camp. What's great about it is you you literally give us everything. You can download it all, customize the marketing, get the brochures, you know, the scripts, the letters. I mean, it's it's kind of a no-brainer. You don't even have to think about it. That's what and I love. That was the whole idea behind it, is make it as easy, as implementable as possible, copy-paste, pretty much. Yeah. But we're not here to pitch that. We're here no, to just, about, hey, Listen, you know, listen, people, people, I just wanted to let everyone know. And know? I appreciate that. And I would love to <laughs> teach you guys how to do this. You know, yeah. you can buy it. I will teach you. I will personally help yeah. you. That's my commitment to you. So if yeah. you want to come on board, expireds are easy. They're easy. You can go on your MLS right now and get 10, 15, 20 leads right now. For I free. promise you, I guarantee you, some of those people will be realisting really soon. Yeah. So there is opportunity out there. So going back to the story, and my, when Nick and I were talking about coming on the podcast, which I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you guys, was to inspire you. It is not about to sell you my stuff, although if you want to buy it, I'll be thrilled to teach you. But it is about showing you that no matter how deep the shit may be that you're in right now, and maybe you're not, maybe you just feel like, I just want to do better, which is great. Or maybe you really struggle with some serious issues. Life will throw those your way. I still get them. Just because I have a successful training company now and I help people and I've been doing this for many years doesn't mean my life is all just walking apart. It's not. Everybody occasionally hits these roadblocks. The, the question is not, will it happen? Of course it will happen. Especially in this crazy business with the way things are changing right now, it's going to happen. It is your ability to dust yourself off, get up, evaluate what the hell happened in the first place. What did I get hit with? What is the lesson? What do I need to do now? And how do I continue? That will separate you. We all get hit. We all, you know, I have this saying. If you want to become a world champion in boxing, you're going to get hit in the face a lot. If your ambition is to make a lot of money, help a lot of people, get ready. You're going to get punched in the face, figuratively and sometimes literally. Yeah. It's just part of life. And especially if there's an opportunity like we have to make a lot of money, serve our community, get a lot of listings. Yes, there will be some stress. There will be some obstacles and some setbacks. Develop this ability to just shake it off, learn the lesson if there is something to be learned, and keep going. That is the most important quality you can develop. It's that tenacity. It's that stubbornness. I was fortunate enough, I always kind of had that in me because the last thing I wanted, even sleeping in that goddamn car, was to come back to Czechoslovakia defeated. Right. That was never really an option. That was never, yes, it crossed my mind. Of course it did. But I never really considered it as, as a viable option. I always thought, I'm going to figure this out. There's well, you know, it. you bring up a good point because, uh-huh. like I said earlier in the beginning, this podcast is about, is, is about getting agents out of their victim mindset, mm-hmm. you know, because everyone has stuff going on in their lives. And mm-hmm. we're not, we're not, we're not, it's not a competition, like who, whose issue is the worst because everybody has issues and everybody reacts to things differently. But, but, but just, but just like that, it's about how you react. You know, like you had no choice. Your choice was go back to Czechoslovakia. You know, you got out of that situation and that wasn't something you were ever willing to go back to. Right. So I've had people on the podcast who have almost died from a stroke, who, lost a child at birth, uh, you know, all of these, you know, uh, David Serpa, who was a machine gunner in the Marines and has PTSD and also autism. These people are, are not making excuses and you're not making excuses. You lived in your car in another country 
and with nowhere to go. And you, and you made something and you got up and you did it. And, you know, too many agents. I mean, I see this from running lab coat agents. You see it from, from running rock stars. They're just, and, and believe me, I love agents or else I wouldn't try to help them and neither would you. There's way too many excuses in this industry, way too many. And I think I know why. I call it the Toyota Corolla syndrome. And what that means is your life is just good enough for you to get by. You're not miserable enough to say, well, I've had this. I got to change right now. And the goals you have are not inspiring you enough, pulling you enough. There's not enough juice. So you're kind of stuck in the middle where it's just good enough to get by, but not great. It's not terrible where you have to just, I got to quit and pay the bills because I'm going to go hungry and get evicted. You're right in that middle, stuck in the middle, where it's just okay. It's the Corolla. It's not a Benz. It's not a Rolls Royce. You don't live in a beautiful house. You don't have 50 listings. But you're not hungry either. You're not completely broke. It's not like IRS will come knock on your door tomorrow. Right in the middle. And it's a bad place to be. So the best thing to do, there are only two ways you're going to get out of it. Either create a lot of struggle, like I did. It's very effective, but I don't recommend it. <laughs> right. Oh. Suffer as much as possible. You can't take it. <laughs> so you can do that. And some people sometimes unconsciously create enough drama and struggle in their life to really get unlocked and, and move on. People do that. But there is a better way. Here is what I would suggest. And this is what I recommend to my students. We actually have a process that I can walk you through, but I'll give you a very, very short version of it. Spend a little time just by yourself somewhere that's fun, that, that inspires you. For me, it's always by the water. We live not far from a beautiful lake. There can be ocean, something. And imagine you can have it any way you want to. You cannot have everything, but you can have a lot. And you can have a lot more that you have now. And when I say have, that of course includes the beautiful homes and the Rolex, if that's what jazzes you up, fantastic. Yeah. Vacations, that can be experiences, travel, freedom. And then write it all down. Dream big. Because it's this big dream, and we all have them. Don't give me this, oh, I just want to be blah, blah, blah. bullshit. <laughs> You've been trained and conditioned to think small because it's safe. Because dreaming big is risky, it's painful, and it will require effort and discomfort and rejection, all that stuff that comes with it. But boy, the payoff is worth it. The freedom that comes with it, just the sensation of accomplishment is absolutely invaluable. It's priceless. Because the only thing worse than the rejection and the stress and the difficulties and the fatigue and working the weekends and all of that that you have to do, the only thing worse is you sitting here five years from now, 10 years from now, looking back at this moment where this crazy guy, Barino and Nick, were telling you, get off your butt, let's do this. There's plenty of business out there, are over 5 million transactions out there ready for you didn't take that opportunity. That to me would be the most painful experience. I would rather fail miserably and say, you know what? I gave it my best. This is the best I can do. It didn't work out. I'd rather take that over Toyota Corolla, little apartment, little life where I look back and I say, I should have. Didn't and I could have. Drop the mic. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, dude, totally, 100%. Like, um, the, the thing is, People are afraid to think bigger because the people they surround themselves with, uh, a couple of reasons. The people they surround themselves with are small thinkers and they think you're ridiculous for feeling that way. 
right? And then second, and for me, this happened, you know, it's very close friends who I kept wanting to grow and they wanted to say the same. And you have to make a big decision. Like, are these people that I still want to associate with? As soon as I let go of those people, uh, and by the way, I still love those people. I just don't talk to them because they were holding me back. And you got to let go of people like that because they're going to drag you down. And there's, there's, you should never, you should never be in that situation. And so those are, those are two things I think people have to think about as well. Um, and it's hard, you know, but you got to make, you got to make a strong decision for yourself. Then I got married and met a beautiful woman who kicked my butt into gear and said, you got to stop working in restaurants and go get, do something with your life. Fine. I'll join my mom's real estate team, I guess. You know what I mean? But yeah, dude, it, it's a really, it's a hard career. Like it's, it's a startup, you know, and that's another thing. It's a business and a lot of agents, a lot of people get into real estate and they're like, oh, you know, my friend sells a couple of houses a year. I'll get into real estate and this, this will be easy. And yeah, I could sit on my couch at home and sell six, seven homes a year just because, because people will call me. But if you want to sell 30 or 40 or 50 or a hundred, you know, you got to get out there and, and work for it. Yeah. So if anyone listening is like, oh, I can't do this because, well, Barino, you know, Barino was living in his car, peeing in bushes. Well, that was another guy, but you were close <laughs> to it. <laughs> close, yeah. Showering in vacant foreclosed homes and he can barely speak English and he did it. He still can't speak English. That's but, true. Uh, yeah. But I mean, I think my goal is like for my students to do way better than I ever did. That is my goal. I want my students, all of you guys, to do way more than I ever accomplished. That is, to me, a great satisfaction to see you just rock it in and just knock it out of the park. Well, you go into your Facebook group and you see people posting all their successes because they're following your lead. And you have a course that I took called Your Best Year Ever. And I think, is that what it's called? Your Best Year Ever? Yeah, it was a couple of years ago. And Mm -hmm. now I'm, I'm realizing where that course came from because you just kind of explained how you would go test drive Mercedes and you know go drink a little glass of expensive bourbon and basically your best year ever is like a class it's like if you took a vision board and made a class out of it well you know what we can do if you if you're up for it I can teach you live for lab coats just we can okay, go through we the should, oh, we should do that. So anyone who's listening, if you don't know Lab Code Agents, that's my group with 100,000 plus members. So go visit it on Facebook. But that would be great if we did a, uh, if we did a webinar for your best yeah. year ever. Because it takes about 60 minutes to go through the process. And, and yeah, I love it. That's great. Yeah, it's basically it like affirmations, vision boards. And I used to think, I was talking to David Serpa last week on the podcast. And, you know, I used to think affirmations and vision boards were silly, fluffy things, you know. But then when you really get into it, I mean... You were at LCA Live, so Barino is the MC of Lab Code Agents Live, and you remember Kevin Sturdivant? I don't know if you remember his session, yep, yep. but he's really into affirmations, and he came from a very poor family. I think his father was in prison, and he is really big into affirmations, and he ripped off the cover of a magazine where there was a model, and he's like, I'm going to marry this woman, and he folded it up and put it in his pocket, and 18 months later, he literally married that woman. That is such an amazing story, <laughs> but so easy to believe. Yeah. Because that's really how it works. Think about it this way. Like you mentioned affirmations, Nick. We're already doing it. You guys are already doing it. You're just doing it unconsciously. Very often, it's not serving you very well. Mm -hmm. The process is already there. How did you get the beliefs you have? How do you have the focus? What do you focus on? How do you get the expectations you have? They're already there. So might as well take control of them and lead it into a direction where you want to go. 
So, Brino, I mean, your story's fantastic. We're just running a little bit out of time. So, but I think that everyone, you know, is going to be inspired when they hear this because I just kind of sat back and just listened to you, man. It's like your, your sexy accent. (laughs) No, I just, I can't, I can't stop. I can't stop listening to it, especially when you do, when you sound like Borat. But yeah, dude, it was so awesome to have you. I love you came from nothing. Well, you came from something. You're a movie star or a soap star in your country, moved to America, you're dead broke, and you lifted yourself up, and you went and got it, and you just failed and failed and failed until you didn't. And that's what a lot of people fail to realize, that it's not, it's it's okay to fail. Okay, most people, I always tell, you know, people, listen, Thomas Edison tried to invent the light bulb 10,000 times, you know what I mean? Like, it's okay to fail, most people, most successful people have failed more than they've succeeded. So people need to remember that. Well, anyway, listen, Brino, uh, thank you for being on the show. If anyone wants to reach out to you, how can they get in touch? Well, here's what I would recommend. A lot of the stuff that I teach, all the practical stuff, I record my training sessions and you can have a whole bunch of them for free on YouTube. So go to YouTube, just search Brino, watch the videos. That will help you a lot because there's a lot of practical stuff there for you. Subscribe to the channel. I post new videos three, four times a week. So yeah. Do that and join Rockstars. I'm on Rockstars Daily. If you have questions, reach out. I'm here to help. Yeah, Barino's YouTube channel is fantastic. B-O-R-I-N-O. And go to Real Estate Rockstars on Facebook and join the group and jump into the conversation and reach out to Barino and we'll make sure to get you in Lab Good Agents and doing that webinar. So listen, anyone listen to the, to the podcast today, if you're on Apple iTunes or if you're on Spotify or Podbean, wherever you're at, if there's a button to follow or subscribe or download, please hit that button because we would love for you to listen to us all the time and leave a review. Let me know what you thought about Barino's uh, interview. Um, make sure that it's five stars and raving because he's very sensitive and he'll get very upset. <laughs> Don't hurt my feelings now. Come on. Hurt his feelings. <laughs> so anyway, thank you so much, everyone. And we will see you next time on Real Estate Rewind. Hope you like this week's show. Feel free to share it with anyone looking to improve their career and their bottom line as a real estate agent. And don't forget to subscribe so you'll know when new episodes are posted. Real Estate Rewind with Nick Baldwin. Real Estate Unwound.